Let's go. Welcome to the Uncomplicated Podcast. I'm ready. Four. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Episode four, we always bring in something new. Uh, last week, we borrowed headphones, which is nice. Mm-hmm. We've introduced Eric yep. to Resident the show. Genius. Uh, Eric, how you feeling? How you living? I'm here, guys, ready to go. Yeah. How's like the Wi-Fi connection? Wi-Fi is on and cracking. Okay. I'm going to throw you some questions if we need some stats, some sources, some data. And I'm, I'm honored to invite our first ever guest to the podcast. Introduce our guest. This guy right here. You went there. Jeez. I just, I, if I, you see me picking him, just slap my hand because you know what Have you, you named him it. yet? No, he has no name. Okay. Yeah. But Jesus. That's his name, but Jesus. Oh. Yeah. When Full you fact s- religious. Is it? Yeah. All right. We'll edit out of the podcast. Just Perfect. kidding. We don't edit anything out. Actually. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's jump into the first question that yep. we have today. Uh, I was surprised at how many people ask this question. Lots of people are interested in this topic. You can write your question in the comments. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can answer on one of our Instagrams or TikToks. But uh, yeah, and while you're at it, hit subscribe. Why is subscribe important? Subscribe is important because it will raise the level of uh, visibility. Yes. (laughs) to uh, the people on YouTube that might be searching the exact same question that uh, led you to this video. And that's our goal. We want to build um, a catalog of conversations Mm -hmm. about things that people are searching or asking where they feel faith is complicated, life is complicated, um, the the Bible. Yeah. yeah. And we want to build this catalog that, you know, helps it keep things uncomplicated because I don't think God ever intended faith to be complicated. I, I, what's, what is, what is less complicated than Jesus? Yeah. Like God has come to earth and shown us what he looks like, what he sounds like, what he does, what would he, he do if he was you like, and yet we keep making things more complicated because we're complicated people. Yep. So, uh, we try to just strip those things away and get to that. And, and, uh, when you subscribe or when you ask, when you like or share or comment, that helps us really kind of gauge what the most important thing is to talk about. Cause we only yep. do this once a week. And this topic really surprised me, but I got this on the phone. Mm-hmm. I got this on Instagram. Yeah, People call you, ask you this question. Yeah. So, um, the question is, are mega churches bad? Why is everyone asking that question right now? Everyone is asking that question right now because there is a documentary um, that has been released about one of the most influential churches in the world. And I think it's um, a, a conversation a lot of people are having at the at the moment. Yeah, which is interesting because uh, you and I pastor a church. We do. So that brings it one perspective. Mm-hmm. And we've been in the game a minute. How long yeah. have we been pastors? Uh, since uh, 22. So. Yeah, long time. Pastor's kid. Yes, pastor's kid. Um, and uh, I grew up at a mega church. I grew up at a church that was gigantic. But how big is a mega church? First of all, what's stats? Eric, can you give me some stats? What's like the weekly attendance of a, what's considered mega? What's mega attendance? What's mega money? What's mega? Yeah. 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 What's mega? Absolutely. Mega. Uh, let's see. So uh, it is uh, Hartford Institute for Religion Studies says that uh, mega is uh uh, 53 years old for the average age of the lead pastor. Okay. Uh, annual budget exceeds $5.3 million. $5 million a year. A year. And the average megachurch pastor is 53 years old. Right. He's white. He wears skinny jeans. <laughs> He's wearing glasses, even if he doesn't need them or not. 
and he's oh got the most beautiful veneers you've ever seen. Justice. Because I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Stop. Yeah, the original. This is going to be me in a few years. <laughs> original definition was uh, attendees of two thousand uh, people weekly, but uh, uh, Hartford says that it's now over four thousand. So okay, so. 4, it's Used been a little bit of a transition between 2,000 being a mega church, and now it's 4,000. So I guess 2,000 was a lot of people back in the day, and now you got to cross 4,000 to be considered mega. Gotcha. Gotcha. But where does this question come from? Why are, why are people asking if mega churches are bad? I, I have a theory. I have a friend who I was talking to this week, and the 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 documentary about this church, they're really famous for their music. Their music has changed the world. Yeah. And he told me, he's like, I came to church. I entered faith, that conversation, because of the music first. And so now you're telling me, right, mm-hmm. like this is bad, like the people that made this music is bad. And it can be hard to like uh, disassociate that, you yeah. know, and to say the the person, you know, who – who who is responsible for this and my experience i can't really hold my experience unto itself i kind of it's still tied in sure so yeah what do you how do you feel about this conversation to begin with i gotta be honest i don't even want to talk about this Uh, like at all i really don't well why do you feel that way um why do you what how do you feel let me think about it for a second okay um our mega church is bad yeah i think um i don't want to talk about it because i don't want to gossip yeah. Well, I, I don't, I, I can't even talk. This is the hardest um, thing we've had to talk about this whole time. It is hard because, um, the church, the big C church, which means the, the global church. Yeah, yes. Church. Um, I mean, I, I love the church. Yeah. The, the church is a gift to my life. The church, um, is such it has always been such a a huge part of my life yeah um it's not perfect um it's but it's beautiful and it is a beautiful part of um my story yeah and so it's personal it feels personal like we we pastor a church uh we lead a church and so um it's just a personal i think like like faith like it's you know the church uh works in conjunction with our faith and our faith is personal. And so yeah. I feel like that might be why you're like, I don't want to talk about it. Cause, um, and we know that there's things that are ugly. Sometimes mm-hmm. you work in a restaurant, you got a favorite restaurant you go to. You've never been in the kitchen. You <laughs> only know what's coming out on the plates. Sure. You know, you haven't worked there. You haven't been in the kitchen. And I think sometimes people, you know, they work in a restaurant, they get some time in the kitchen. And then next thing you know, they don't want to go to the restaurant anymore because they've seen what's in the kitchen. They and, don't even want to eat at the restaurant. Yeah. And so uh, how many churches are we talking about here, Eric? How many churches are there in America? And how many of them are there are mega? All right. Could you do a search for that? Let's weigh me down when you got that figured out. Because I want to know how many we're really talking about. Because I think the average size church in America is under 100 people. Yeah. So we're even this documentary. This is about one church, which, by right. the way, I don't recommend watching it. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't think, I think, I think there's a reason why documentaries about churches failing or things, or I think people like to watch this because people like to gossip. Mm. Period. And what's more fun to judge than an organization or people who say you should do it like we do it? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, first of all, let's talk about human nature. Humans love to judge. <laughs> it's true. The best shows on TV are shows where you judge. Yep. Right? Totally. American Idol. 
yep. most popular or or America. The voice. Yeah. America's got talent. Yeah. It's like you sit in a chair, you know, I watch the voice. I know nothing about singing. Mm-hmm. I'll watch the voice. Tell me what, tell me what, what, did, what did Kendall used to say when, when she watched the voice? <laughs> she goes, Ooh, she was like three years old. She's like, Ooh, they're pitchy. <laughs> they're pitchy. <laughs> My three-year-old's over here talking about this contestant. They're pitchy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like we love to judge, yeah. you know? And what's The Bachelor? The Bachelor's not about judging voices. It's about judging... Character. Relationships. Looks, relationships. if they're there for the right reasons. <laughs> you know? Totally. It's like you're judging top shows. Singing. Mm-hmm. Talent. Uh, perform Gifts. Uh, relationships. Yeah. Eric, you got some stats? What, what, is, a, what is a mega? What is a mega? I do. And so it turns out that there are uh, approximately 1,750 mega churches uh, in the United States. Okay. Okay. Less than 2,000. How many churches are there in the United States? Oh, you know what? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, let's. Too many to count. Maybe down if you get that answer. But I mean, it's a small group. I mean, I think 85% of churches in North America are under 200. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. mega churches are, you know, but they're going to get the most attention. Right. And so, you know, I think a lot of times we look at like, what is church supposed to be? And we see these big visible ones, sure. but we need to talk about what church is supposed to be. Because I think a lot of times people go into judging church and then you have a conversation about expectations and are those expectations correct right. or not? And I hope in this conversation, I hope we don't, I hope we can get there. I hope we can actually talk a little bit about like, like you said, nothing has changed your life more than the church. And it's been such a blessing. Yeah. And I've had my own journey. I'll share sure. a little bit of my journey. Yeah. You're waving me down, Eric. You got how many churches nationwide? Yeah. So an estimated 228 million Christians says th- over 300,000 churches in America. Okay. So 300,000 churches. And that's Lifeway. Okay. Versus, I'll trust Lifeway. Like seventeen? Did you say seventeen hundred? Something like that. Somebody divide that up for me. Seventeen hundred into. We're pastors, not mathematicians. <laughs> I teach the ancient texts, not algebra or whatever that's called. First grade <laughs> mathematics. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, let's just talk about gossip for a second. Yeah, I don't like talking about the church. Right. I don't like it because there's an illustration in the Bible. From the Old Testament mm-hmm. all the way to the New Testament. All the way to the very right? end. There's so a revelation. Metaphor. You know where I'm going with this. There's I a do. metaphor, okay? Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, in the Old Testament, God's people were his kids. Right. And then the church, the people that, you know, have a relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. this is considered, I know this sounds so quirky and weird, but the bride right. of Christ. The bride of and Christ. And that's supposed to be that God has been faithful to us no matter what we do mm-hmm. through Jesus. We're faithful to him. It's a committed relationship. Literally, the Bible's illustration for our relationship with the church and Jesus is a bride and her husband. Yeah. And heaven is the honeymoon. Like, it's that's, that's where it goes. Right. And I'm just telling you, you start having conversations about this church does this and this right. church shouldn't do that and church this. Man, I wouldn't want you. Talking about my bride, <laughs> anywhere near those things. Maria shouldn't have her eyelashes done. <laughs> Always about the eyelashes. Well, somebody put on my Instagram. I didn't tell you this, but they put how how I, I some about eyelashes because you know I posted things about you getting your eyelashes done. Like um, how long are eyelashes considered ungodly or something like that? And it oh, was a how joke. Funny. It was a joke. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like you know, I read something and I'm like, don't talk about my wife. <laughs> don't talk about her eyelashes, fool. You want me to, you want me to, you want me to drop you over some, I just, I think that's what happens too with, I'm a pastor, I'm protective of my church, Mm -hmm. I am a, 
I have a shepherd's kind of heart. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I, I don't like people talking about the hardworking people at our church. I yep. wouldn't want, and I think God at the same time, I'm thinking, don't talk about his bride. Yeah. You know, if somebody said something about you, I'd be like, you better, better mm-hmm. watch how you're saying that. <laughs> you agree or no? Yeah. A hundred percent. I think I'm slow to, um, judge or talk about things I know nothing about. Yeah. Um, and I think that's sometimes where, um, you know, why do people gossip? Yeah. You know, what does the Bible say about gossip? Well, it says in Proverbs that people gossip because it tastes good. Yeah. <laughs> it says uh, it says a couple times in Proverbs that gossip is like a tasty snack or a mm-hmm. tasty morsel. Watch this. It goes down into our innermost parts. Oh, wow. Meaning it doesn't just taste good but it makes us feel good. Like judging, gossiping, right. discussing the church, right? Like there's a reason why these documentaries, right? Uh, there was a documentary, uh, a podcast out about a pastor who screwed up mm-hmm. and he was a really influential pastor and I really admired him. And I know you did too. And when, and when that fell apart, I was really heartbroken over it, you know, because God had done a lot through their life and he changed my life through this pastor and people jumped on it, dude, oh, articles, making money off, off articles and podcasts about them, everything. And one pastor just straight up said, all you pastors or all you people who are listening to the story of his failure, you know what I mean? That's failure porn. That's what he called it. Wow. Yeah. When you gossip about failure like that, when you judge that, that's, it feels good because it's sinful. Like, and the Bible says sin always t- t- feels good for the mo- for the season. For the moment. And like, you start talking about that with your friends. Oh, our pastor used to do this and that leader did that. Anyways, we should get, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you can see it strikes a nerve with me, yeah, right? Totally. It really does. I don't know if it strikes more of a nerve with me. You ever had a bad experience with somebody gossiping about you? Yeah. Or your dad yeah. <laughs> or your church? So I am a pastor's kid. My dad started pastoring when I was in high school. Started the church with you. Started and the church with me, my mom, sister. my dad, and my sisters, four of us. <laughs> Welcome um, to Sunday. Welcome Kids. to church. Um, anyway, I remember when he was pastoring a few years. I think I was in college at the time. And I remember getting called to his office. Not invited, but called. Okay. Um, so even the way they asked me, like, you need to come to your dad's office right away. I was at church. And um, I said, okay. And I walk in. And the atmosphere was just thick in that office. Like I could tell I was walking into, I don't know what, but it was heavy. And I, I didn't know what had like hit me when I entered that room and there were some people in there. I don't think it might've been part of the council or whatever. And my dad was there and they said, Maria, where were you on this date and this time? Oh my gosh. And I was like, what did I do? Like, am I in trouble? And I like look at my phone to see where I was that day. Oh, on your calendar? On my calendar. And I was like, oh, I had lunch with my dad at Coco's in Pasadena. And like the entire room, like just something shifted in the atmosphere. And I was like, what's going on? And you could just see embarrassment, like cover the people in the room. Okay. And what had happened was that they were accusing my dad of having an affair, um, with another woman and I guess that woman was me because we they they saw my dad at lunch with um someone else that was not my mom it was me whoa um but his arm was around me like you know I'll grab my dad and hug him or whatever or walk with you know my arm in his arm and um 
there was this story that was being had amongst leadership that my dad was having an affair. And you came in and were and like, I came in and I was like, no, that was me. That dark haired girl was me. That dark young haired girl was his yeah. daughter. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's been, you know, growing up in a pastor's home and now being pastors, there's people that love to, you know, make up stories and talk and, and at the end of the day, accountability is important. So important. You know, I don't think a documentary where you don't interview the people who it's about mm-hmm. and you just interview a bunch of ex disgruntled people yeah. is good. But I do think that a conversation about what church is supposed to look like and if it honors God and it's right, I think that's a good conversation. Yeah. But I would just warn anybody like, Hey man, you're getting in territory that uh, is a danger zone. If yeah. you start, you know, God's a personal God. He really cares about his church and uh, be just, just have an honoring conversation just like you would about somebody's wife. I mean, if you're going to have that conversation. So, because right. that right there is a, a story of, of, I mean, how do you describe that? That's, that in some ways is probably good, right? That somebody cared enough to say, hey, you know, we don't let this kind of stuff slide. Right. But at the same time, jumping to conclusions when you don't know the real story <laughs> is yeah. awful. Yeah. When people, and then if, People don't go straight to the source. I mean, in this case, they did. But there's so many times where, you know, you just flippantly have a conversation. Oh, did you see that? Or what did you think about that? And then that just turns into, like, a toxic wildfire. Yeah. Um, so I think just a well, caution I'm a to source. all of us. You're an expert, and I can clearly say that I'm an expert. I run two nonprofits, <laughs> right? We, 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 we handle a lot of, we do this. This is what we do for a living. Yeah. Am I biased? Maybe a little bit, but I'll give you my best. Yeah. Eric, you waved me down. You got any stats or no? The, did you, oh, did you multiply the percentage of, yeah. 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 Divide. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you give me the square root of did the, you, uh, uh, subtracted <laughs> with the fraction? theorem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it turns out that it's a less than 1%. So of the 300, it turns out that I'm, I'm, I'm seeing over 380,000 uh, Christian denomination churches throughout the U.S. And of those mega are uh, less than 1%. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And less than 1% is what we're talking about here. Right. If a church is over 1,000 people, mm-hmm. that's 3%. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, you're when you think of a picture of a church in your mind, are you thinking about a church of around... 75 to 100 people that are the pastors raising the kid, dedicating the baby, officiating the wedding, you know, uh, visiting people in hospitals, taking care of the local homeless Mm -hmm. people, providing meals and food to family in need and single parents. Like, is this the kind of thing you're thinking? Or are you thinking of what I kind of crossed the line earlier and mocked this idea of like a, of like a pastor that, you know, has fake teeth or whatever. And, you know, I mean, a lot of times people just run to that though. They run to the abuse of money and they run to what they see on TV. And so let's talk about all that. Well, we I want to talk too. about money first. For how long have I said, Maria, like, like work at the church? How about you this? Served for your, like you served for so long. Nine years, probably not on full-time staff, even though I was working. Even though bazillion hours a week. Yeah, yeah probably. That's what it is. And even for us, like, you know, there comes a point when the church grows where you're like, hey, man, we got to hire people. You mm-hmm. know, we got to bring people on board. We got to better take care of people and better. I mean, some of the stuff that happens at the church, you know, 40,000 families that were served during the pandemic mm-hmm. through lines down the block, you know, of of cars that were saying, hey, we, we need groceries. Mm-hmm. And 
who was there to who who did all that? How about the 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 school that we had to just kind of start out of nowhere for families that didn't have a a place to bring their kids so they could go to work? You know, I want to know the megachurch stats about how much money was given away as mm. well and how many people were helped and resources resource because I know that that documentary is about a church that does phenomenal just world changing work. Like yeah. they, they, they're responsible for like making a dent in human trafficking, yeah. you know, rescuing women and, and victims of human traffic. They, they are, they have the largest amount of sponsorships for children, uh, overseas and in third world countries that need education and health and food. Right. And so, uh, I just know that, um, if you're going to talk about money, we'll talk about it, but we, we got it. You know, what was the budget for mega churches? What was it? Five million. It was uh, five point nine. Five point nine. Uh, almost you, six million. Yeah, six million bucks. How would you spend six million bucks? Um, that's a big question. Could be a little bit more specific. How how should a church spend six million dollars? Gotcha. Well, I think so many times. I mean, the churches. It's a it's a beautiful thing, but it's like there there's two facets of it. Okay. Right when you are, um, there is a very obvious obvious spiritual side right people go to church to hear from god to connect with god to learn to grow and so there's this spiritual aspect which is beautiful and then there is a organizational side sure um that has bills that has employees that um wants to make a difference in this world. So hopefully employees has, that need health assurance. Need yeah. Medical, there's all these, they have these kids that need to go to school. Yeah. Organizational side of a church that sometimes I feel like people that um, maybe aren't in the church or even are in the church. Don't they, they just see a service. They just see, um, you know, a, a moment of the actual totality of the church, which is it's both and right. Right. So it's spiritual, but it's also there's a an organization side that that functions. There's rent, there's electricity, there's there's stuff that goes on. And so I mean when you say, What would you do with six million dollars? My my initial thought was like, give it all away, which I mean, I love we as a church, I've never met a more generous church. Like we love to give, we love to do things for our city. Um, but I have to think as a leader of an organization, like there's also things that you have to prioritize so that the organization continues. Yeah, so I think of a great church here in L.A., good friend of mine, strong character. The church has been around 100 years, Yep. and he's in charge of it now. And by the way, pastors mm-hmm. like me or like you, we work for the church. Yeah. So there's a board, mm-hmm. and just like any nonprofit, and we answer to the board. Yep. And they set everything from salaries to how much people get paid how much money goes out. Right. The goal of a nonprofit is not to keep a bunch of money. The goal right. of a nonprofit is to give it out. Correct. So if you tell me that budget $6 million a year, they're probably giving out five, you know, right. close to that. I mean, they're, at the end of the year, you're not trying to sit there and have a giant bank account. You're trying to right. help people with that money. That's the goal. That's the difference. It's a not-for-profit. Right. So, and then at the end of the year, just like at our church and every single church, mm-hmm. there is a... Uh, what do they call it? It's a business meeting. Business meeting. Yeah. And statements go out to right. everybody who ever gave. And so anybody who gives, they actually see where their money went mm-hmm. and and how it was spent. Right. And so that alone changes the landscape because people who are giving and who are invested, they're like, 
it's almost like owning shares in a sense. It's like mm-hmm. this is their church. This is where you know where the money where the money goes and how that's determined. And things oftentimes are voted on and mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff because it's like, hey, this is not something that's in the dark. Nonprofits operate at everything is in the in the light. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a beautiful thing about it. And so, what I share next about my friend's church that now as I'm just kind of processing this, this is everybody at that church knows that. Right. And so he, he runs a large church here, um, in, in, in LA. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like I said, it's been around a long church and he told me his budget's a million dollars a year. I'm, I'm a million a dollars month. a month, yeah. a million dollars a month, a million dollars a month. Yep. A million dollars. That would be $12 million a year. Yes. Yes. And so here he is changing the game. Totally. Like, I'm like, what do you do with a million dollars a month? And one of the things he's done for the last 20 years is adopt the local schools mm-hmm. with a program that is absolutely changing a generation. Yeah. You want to speak to that at all? You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, it is a program where they have partnered with LAUSD. Can you say your mom's involvement, like her perspective? Um, sure. Yeah. My mom was <laughs> at one of the schools as an administrator, um, at, the, you know, at the, one of the schools that, that ran this program. And she, um, would tell me just what a game changer it was. She obviously is a believer. And so she knew kind of just, um, the connection to the church, but she said what was probably uh, the most impactful thing is her friends and coworkers that were not, you know, followers of Jesus that would, that just would rave about what was happening in these kids' life as they partnered with the school and did mentorship for free for kids that were behind or kids that were struggling and how it has changed. Um, so the program is called Kids Hope. Yeah. And the, for decades, mm-hmm. the church has paid for the all the tutors mm-hmm. and the at the local school. So they actually come in and assist all these families that are in need and right. kids who are either under-resourced or, or underprivileged, if you or like high that risk word, or, or high risk. Mm-hmm. And they come in and help them get their grades and get through, and they journey with them for years. 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 They yep. work with the same kids all the way to graduation to get them into, and we know the stats on how education changes lives for right. those that are uh, disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. So bam, they're doing that. They've been doing that for decades, right? So yeah. your mom works at the school and her coworkers who are not fa- uh, people of necessarily of faith. They're saying, this is what the church does with their money. Yeah. The church is like, we're investing in the city. We want the church. We want the right. city to, to, you know, this is not just a church for everybody who's in these walls. Right. We're looking at the whole city, yeah. you know, and I, I want to lead a church like that, you yeah. know? And I, I think that's, I think if you got a million dollars a month and you're doing something like that, that's amazing. Right. You're, they also, that church that we love so much, um, they wiped out, I can't remember how many million dollars of medical debt for residents in the zip codes that surrounded yeah. their, their church. Wiped I it mean, out. Wiped it out. They are building orphanages all over the world. Let's talk about the medical debt. So they're on the news yep. and I'm like, oh great, a church is on the news again. Great. And then it's like. This church wiped out $5 million of medical debt Mm -hmm. for everybody in a certain mile radius of that church. Mm -hmm. As in literally a letter showed up at their house. All of your... Your debt is paid. Your debt is paid. We love you. Boom. Oops. Said the name. I I can say the name. (laughs) I can say the name. Shout out to... We love you. you. (laughs) Dude. But I I mean, how inspiring is that? So every time we're with... I mean, we're so inspired because their generosity is, um, it's unmatched, but it's, 
literally making a difference on this globe. Yeah. Like we need to have him on the podcast to tell about all the stuff the that he's doing. Yeah. And he can probably correct me on anything I'm getting wrong because it probably is more money than I even said, to be honest, because quite frankly, when you are a generous person, God trusts you with more. Yeah. So you're a church that's making it waves like that. Yeah. God's like, I can trust this church. It works the same way for us. Totally. It says in the Corinthians that God is generous with those that are generous to others. Mm-hmm. It says this in Proverbs, it says, when you give to the poor, mm-hmm. you're lending to God. Yeah. So, I mean, this is how money works. God's saying, hey, I want to bless you so you can change the, I, the church can change the world. And that's really what the church is supposed to be. Right. This, the church is supposed to be an organization, more than that, a family mm-hmm. that shows the world an alternative way to live life. Right. The way of Jesus. And that that's supposed to be a beautiful thing. And and it is when we nail it. Now, our church is run by imperfect people, 100%. Yes, they are. And that's where my defensiveness comes from. It's because I know that our church isn't perfect. And right. I know we make mistakes. And there's things I wish I could change or do differently. And like, if it wasn't for the absolute grace of God... Well, I mean, we started a church at 26 years old in our apartment. <laughs> we true. were 26. Yeah. We had an apartment for, uh, we, we had a Bible study called the No Christians Allowed Bible Study. <laughs> we didn't tell people that was a name, but we invited our friends <laughs> over, right? Yeah. And then they started giving, having total life change. And we're yeah, baptizing people in pool. Then we yep. went into a laundromat and every month started spending hundreds of dollars on, you know, we put our money together in a Carl's Jr. fountain drink cup. <laughs> yep. And we put our money together as seven people and we paid for all the laundry in the laundromat for people that, you know, their husband or wife was incarcerated or they were a single parent. And we just did that for like years. We're still doing that. Mm-hmm. And that was where the church kind of came from, was from helping people. And so, you know, um, yeah, I mean, you can't, if you're going to talk about mega churches, I think the number one barrier for people is the money side of things. Yeah. But you can't talk about how much money they were they get you have to talk about how much money they give right because like my friend's church wiping out medical debt dude he they just gave like three million dollars this year to build multiple orphanages mm-hmm. in some i can't remember where it was, it was africa one. somewhere yeah, yeah where there were handicapped kids there was kids that had nobody taking care of themselves and now here they are saying we're gonna make sure that these kids who have been left in the gutters are being cared for right and if that is not what a church you know what I mean? And that's 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 where we're aiming. You right. know, that's where we're aiming. Why do you think churches talk about money so much on a Sunday or at church? Why do you think it's always a topic? It is a topic because it is one of the most mentioned topics in the Bible. That's true. Yeah, Jesus talks about money probably more than almost any other topic in the Bible. And Jesus money, talks about money more than heaven and hell combined. Yeah, it, it, it is a hot topic, let's call it, in, in the Bible that Jesus talks about. And I think it's because money is really tied to our heart. Yeah. Um, we work hard for our money. You put in hours at work, 40 hours plus, to get that paycheck. And so you work hard for it. So it it's not, it, it's just something that, that's, you know, is important to us. And so um, I think it's God, God isn't after our money. And I think so many times... Yeah. Um, I've heard over the years of my life, people go, oh, the church just wants your money. I hear it all the time. I, we, we, I don't, you know, as a leader of the church, I don't want people's money. Yeah. I think I, it's our job to teach people that God um, is after their heart. And if we are honest with ourselves, our heart and our money are tied real tight together. And yeah. so if we can trust God with our money the trust is deep and the trust yeah. is real. And so our goal as a leader of the church is to help people trust God 
Yeah. And it just so happens that money's probably one of the best indicators to tell us, do we really trust God with everything in our life? Preach, dude. I mean, honestly, like what, what, how do you prove itself to, how do you prove it to yourself more? Right. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, what's going to speak more volumes about a church than how they handle their money? Right. What's going to speak more val- volumes about your own values? Right. And where your trust is than your own money. I mean, how, Put can, your money where your mouth is. Right. Can we, we talk that. about for a second, though, those people that maybe are watching this that um, don't have a church background or they've never been to a church, they've only heard about church. There is this crazy concept. And it, I say crazy because I think people that haven't grown up in the tradition of church, it would be absolutely insanity. You're talking about tithing? I'm talking about tithing. Oh, yeah. Who, like, Let's t- just talk about it. For talk t- about it like no one's ever heard it before. Okay. Because so, I literally have friends who go, wait. What? <laughs> exactly. All the time they go, how do you like pay for things? Like, doesn't you, don't you like, don't, isn't your church run off donations? Yes, it is. How, how do you, <laughs> how do you project? How do you plan? How do you employ so many people knowing that it could all dry up the next month because it's all about the charity of people? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there is this biblical principle we find in the Bible that's called tithing. Tithing. What's tithing and mean? Tithing literally means a tenth. Um, the word tithe, and it comes from the Old Testament where they would give their first 10% um, as a statement of saying, God, I trust you with everything in my life. Here's my first 10. I'm giving you my first, giving you the best. And back then it was like their harvest, right? Right, Or or their crops. Um, But this was their, uh, I don't know. Or or cattle or whatever. Whatever they, whatever their, um, you know, however they received finances, um, their... I don't know what word I'm their looking for. Currency, their currency. And so um, that's where it comes from was this statement of saying, God, like you are the provider of everything in my life. Mm-hmm. And this is how I'm going to not just show you, but show myself that I really yeah. trust you with everything. Yeah. And so that's where it comes which, from. Which was, everybody did that. Everybody believed in a God mm-hmm. making sacrifices to God's. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like the, pa- the pagan ones yeah. in the time of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was there in Israel recently and they were showing me a temple to a God. I can't, uh, the God Panthe. I can't remember the name of the God, but it's the God that looks like a goat. And it's the one okay. where everyone like, that's what a devil looks like. Cause it's like the goat oh, looking yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And there's like this temple um, where, where it's up against this giant cavern. It just goes down super deep, right? And it's just like an abyss. And they built a temple off of it. And if you've ever played the game Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, it's a video game, uh, they do a really great job recreating the landscape at that time. Oh, wow. And uh, it was the time of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jesus is not in the video game. but uh, Because he would have saved the day. Oh, my goodness. Love it. Love it. Okay, so... (laughs) um, uh, so the temple is built against this cavern mm-hmm. as in like almost like a back door to it. And you're like, why would they do that? And it's because their sacrifice, their tithe was that their firstborn child wow. would be thrown into that abyss. Wow. And it was called the gates of hell. That's what it was called. The gates of Hades was the name of that area. Wow. In fact, when Jesus and in, and in, 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 uh, Matthew 17 says, uh, I will give you the keys of the kingdom and the gates of Haiti will not be able to stop it. Mm-hmm. He's actually there, it says, in that same area because it wow. says he traveled to Caesarea or wherever it was. And so here he is most likely looking at the gates of Hades when he says that mm-hmm. because how evil 
is a world that believes in a God that wants the firstborn child to be sacrificed to him. So when God comes along and watch this, dude, I've never taught this before, but when Isaac has the kid, his son, and remember God. Abraham has his son, Isaac. Yeah, yeah, it's it's Abraham, Abraham. So Abraham's up on Mount Moriah and he's about to sacrifice Isaac, his His son. His firstborn son. Because God tells him to, right? So he's up there. And then he has the dagger and he's tied him and he's going to sacrifice him. Everyone's like, what kind of God mm. would tell a would tell a man to sacrifice his son? And the answer is every God. That's how God's worked back then. If you didn't sacrifice your, that was a superstition. Right. If you didn't make the gods appease the anger of the gods, then you wouldn't have a good harvest and the, the, the rain wouldn't come. The and sun so, wouldn't come Exactly. Up. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but what happens is he starts to do what everybody else would do to pledge their allegiance, right? And then God goes, stop, and sends an angel, and then says, look, and in the reed is an animal. And he says, I will provide the sacrifice for you so that you don't have to give your own son. And God just flips the script. He just redeems the whole thing. He's like, it's good that you believe in me as God, and it's good that you want to honor me and you want to give your life to me, but I've got a better way of doing it. Because I'm a God that wants you to thrive and flourish, and when there is no no way, come on, I make a way. I will provide what you need so So that you don't have to. So God is over here working with the corrupt, evil mentality of human beings that thinks that we need to to do this to appease the wrath of God. And God goes, hey, it's not that I'm not angry at sin because I'm a just God, but I'll make a way to atone for that sin so that you don't have to die. And so anyways, tithing Mm -hmm. is the idea. It's ancient. It's old. It's been around since forever Mm -hmm. that you give the gods back your first or your best. And that's how you show them that they're most important to you. Mm-hmm. And then God jumps in, he redeems that. And he gives us his first and yep. his best by giving us Jesus. So God goes, no, 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 I will tithe to you by giving you my firstborn son. So good. Talk about the, t- you can't make this stuff up. Right. Like this is, God comes up with this to just blow our little minds. And it's, you know, we miss it, but the truth is, is that tithing is still a biblical standard of giving now, but we don't tithe because we have to. We tithe because God first gave to us. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we give God back our first. And uh, how long you been tithing? Um, since I've received a, an allowance. Me too. Yeah, my parents taught me. It's the greatest joy of my life. It is. It really is. And um, yeah, it's nothing that like so many times I hear people like you give your money to the church. I'm like, I give my money to God through the church. Yeah. Um, I don't give to the church. I give through the church. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm giving this to God. This is to God. This is my allegiance, you know, um, to him. And that happens through the local church. It says in Leviticus, it says the purpose of the tithe was to teach God's people how to put him first and trust him. Right. Because how, when you give, when you let go of money mm-hmm. and you say, God, here, dude, that's how you build trust. Right. And God still takes care of you. Oh, and then he comes around and maybe blesses you more. Or maybe he does. You know, it's like, wow. Like the miracles that I know in my life yeah. that I've seen has been when I've given when I didn't want to. Right. When I've been generous, when I've wanted to hoard or when I've wanted to put other people's need before myself. And I'm a part of this group of people called the church. Come, Come on, somebody. On. Where everybody doesn't give the same amount, but right. they give the same sacrifice. Mm. They all, we all live at the 10%. And, money, well, and many of us Well, and we don't all. Let, let's not, let's be honest. The members do. The members do. Yeah. But there's, 
and I, I hear that. That's just a question I, I yeah. want to camp out on for a second. Can I like, oh, you can only give if, you know, or you can only go to church if you pay an amount. And that's not true. Right. That's uh, that's true with every other church except for Christian churches. Okay. <laughs> you know, maybe there's a membership. Every other religion. Yeah. You have because to pay. Because they have yeah. to. Christian churches is just It's like, an organization yeah. they have to run. Yeah. But. The Christian church, like, you don't have to do that. That's something that is You ain't getting completely... in Scientology for free. <laughs> <laughs> you... you ain't got a seat at the synagogue saved if you if you haven't paid that annual fee or however that works. Sure. I don't uh, know. I, I, I've not researched it. But I do know for, you know, the Christian church, um, that's not something that's required of you. That's no. something that you make a decision in your heart and your life to trust God, and that's between you and God. And most pastors I know, they don't even know who gives and who doesn't give. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, I'll know who gives because they come to the membership meetings, and they were like, hey, what are we doing with our money? Yeah. But um, Which is good. Yeah. I mean, every month I turn in a report to our board. I meet with our board every single month. We look at they they have constant access to the QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. So they constantly see, they go over every single dollar that's spent, mm-hmm. right? And then that report is signed by all the signatures on the board. It's sent to a supervisor that I have mm-hmm. and every dollar is accounted for. We had an audit recently that came in and did all of it just to make sure our controls were good. We got a super high score. She got one of the highest scores she had given, just to brag, just to flex a little bit. She said it's the strongest control she's seen okay. of a church in years. Anyways, Keep flexing. I say all that because like, <laughs> can I be honest with you? Our church deals with a lot of money. Yeah. Because, and it's over the last few years, it's grown tremendously because people go, oh, wait a minute, we're actually changing homelessness in our city yeah there are people that were living on the street that we provided free meals to Mm -hmm. and we know these people right and we provided hot showers for weekly Mm -hmm. and then they joined our recovery program and now they're working right you know we we have this refrigerator truck that we're spending tons of money on to do the free meals we're building a second mobile trailer for hot showers for people and listen like you know i hope this doesn't sound anything other than than the way it's supposed to sound. The church is a beautiful, powerful group of God's people that are saying, hey, everybody's welcome. And the more involved you get, the more purpose you're going to find in your life. And when you do things God's way, not just your life changes, but a whole city can change. Yeah, can change. Yeah, and so, but at the same time, the church is also an organization. Can we go dark for a second? Yeah. Where a lot of people get hurt. Yep. I've seen a lot of people, I'm never going to church again. And it's not just because of the way the money's spent. Right. It's the person who was in charge of that church. It was the leader who was in charge of that church. You know, at the end of the day, churches don't hurt people. People hurt people. Right. You know, they don't, it's not, it's the pastor. It's the spiritual right. abuse that happened, you know? And so we can't finish this conversation without talking about that yeah. because we talked about money, yeah. but we got to talk about, we got to talk about church hurt, church hurt, church hurt. It's real. And I think it's deep. Like I was saying, um, it, the church is, it's like multifaceted. And when you go to a place and you are vulnerable, right? When we're at church, I feel like um, I can describe it as like your heart being open, sure. right? There's this time with God that's awesome and intimate and you just feel vulnerable. Like you open yourself up to what God would have for you. And when you're in that vulnerable place, um, feel like the hurt can just feel deeper. Yeah. Right, like we get hurt everywhere. There's people everywhere, and we're all flawed, and but we our all make mistakes. Expectations aren't the same, exactly, on everybody. Right, yeah. And so, uh, have you ever been hurt at church? Um, man, have I been hurt at church? I grew up in a good church. I grew up in a mega church. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a mega church. Did you grow up in a mega church? I did not. I grew up in probably one of the biggest churches in the nation. Yeah, and That's it had uh, multiple buildings. 
where you'd have you'd have a pastor in one building, he would be preaching on video, and then you'd be watching it from another. And this video. was like twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. And I grew ago. up. Um, my dad served at church. He taught Sunday school. My mm-hmm. mom served at, at church. Uh, we had groups at our our meetings at our house all the time, and I had only great experiences. And that my dad taught me how to tithe. Mm-hmm. He was a business owner. And he taught me how to give the first 10% and he would write his check and the offering plate would come by. Yeah. Remember these have offering plates? Yep. And they were gold with red felt. Yes. <laughs> was it real gold? I don't know. Probably not. Um, and he would write his check and he would fold it so no one saw the amount mm-hmm. and he'd put it in there and he taught me how to put God first. He goes, no, I tithe before taxes mm-hmm. because my allegiance is to my king, not to my uncle, Sam. Like, <laughs> woo! like you know what I mean? It's like, I'm an American, but before that I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God, you know? So yeah. he taught me how to tithe and he he put that that in there and uh uh you know just just a great experience with that when i got older uh kind of like being in a restaurant you know you get invited into the kitchen and you go oh uh there's people here there's things going on here where these people are you know it's easy to look one way once a week for a couple hours sure you know what i mean it's easy like you know, that that's kind of the danger, too. Sometimes they, even like at our church, it's like, you only see me once a week, so I'm only telling you the stories you want to hear. You don't know all the stuff that's going on. And I try to be as real as possible, and I love yeah, when people say our church feels that. real. You know yeah. what I mean? They, I don't think people are looking for a perfect church. I think they're looking for a real church. Yeah. I don't think people are looking for a perfect pastor or perfect friends. Right. Looking for real right. pastors and friends. And so I, I try to make that effort to do that as much as I can because I made so many mistakes, so why not share them? Right. People can learn from my mistakes, too. But anyways, all I have to say is I saw some of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happened is, is my expectations were off. My expectations were that, you know, my, life, my my heart was so open and my expectations were so high. When your expectations on someone are this high and you fall, the, you fall all the you way. far. If my expectations are this high on somebody and they let me down, big deal. But right. when your expectations are this high on somebody and they let you down, that's a big drop. Yeah. And so I think, you know, they gossiped or they said things and you know in the name of a prayer request we need to pray we need to pray for him because uh he uh, you this know this is what's going on in his life yeah and i think that happens i think that happens been with small communities too cuz mostly you know even mega churches they're just a ton of small churches made up inside one church right because that's what it is everybody we wouldn't be mega if, if people didn't have relationships mm-hmm. so you have these groups and you have this stuff and yeah we so i had that and i walked away from church you know for a long time and uh, i can honestly say it was the worst years of my life yeah. Because I wasn't doing things God's way and I was disconnected from his plan. You can't, listen to me, you can't be in God's plan and disconnected from his church. Right. Doesn't work that way. You can't be like, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. It doesn't work that way. Right. Because we are connected to the body. If Jesus is the head, right. we are the body. We can't just be some random floating body. Well, part. and you're not, I mean, that's found so many times in scripture. Oh my like God. You're, you're talking about the, the, you know, the body and the head. There's other scriptures that say like those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. Like there's yeah. promises connected to being part. There's so many commands tr- in the Bible. A tree not planted, not going to work. Right. Being you, you have to be connected uh, to the body. You have to be. And so just like any family, mm-hmm. there's good, bad, and ugly. But when you push through it, yeah, it makes you stronger. And it makes you, you know, when you work through tough things in relationships, it actually increases the level, deepens the level of intimacy. Totally. But yeah, so I ran away from the church because of hurt. And okay. I'm sure a lot of people who've watched this, you know, are where with me. And I am so glad I made it back. I made it back because of you. 
Did you? I made it back because of you. <laughs> I love the church. I remember um, you had just gone to Bible college. Yeah. Not to be a pastor. Not to be a pastor, but you were just obeying God leading in your life. Yeah. And um, Was we, I even saved in Bible college? I, I mean, barely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when God speaks to you, you either do or you don't. Right. And you I just him. given my life to Christ and he said, go to this Bible college. And I said, fine. Right. And you, you know? did it. And I did it. And I remember we no were Christian friends no at Christian all. Christian friends. A vow. I will not hang out with Christians. <laughs> they're weird. They're gossipy. I can't trust them. You know. Turns out that uh, weird, gossipy, untrustworthy people were that way before they became Christians. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with Jesus. They're in the process. <laughs> yeah, we're all. None of us are ready. And I remember like us kind of hanging out. I don't know if we were dating yet, and you saying something like, "Well, the church just isn't." Something I don't remember what you said. I remember it. What did you say? Because I thought lightning was going to strike me. What did you say? I was on the phone with you. Okay. I was on one of those razor phones. Remember the razor phones? Yep. Flip phones. Flip phones. And you wanted me to go to church with you, and we were dating our really good we're friends, like hanging out. Yeah. And I said, "Well, well, I'll meet you afterward." I said, and you said, "Well, I have to go." And I said, "Well, can you do this instead or something?" Mm -hmm. And I said, "The church is not a priority in my life." And I remember saying, like, I can't believe I said that out loud. Yeah, I remember you saying that. And I said, well, it is in my life. Mm -hmm. And if there's going to be anything with us, like, that just doesn't align. So yeah. um, get on board or get off, I think yeah. is kind of what I said. Dating advice. Words, dating advice. Let's do that podcast. <laughs> Somebody messaged me on the thing today. Should you date someone who's not a Christian? Right? That would uh -huh. be a good topic. That's a great topic. Because your answer is, hey. This I is my like, values. This is what I'm about. This, this is the direction yeah, the I'm going. The church is such a huge part of my life. Yeah. If it's not a huge part of your life, our lives aren't aligning. So we can just go ahead and go our separate ways. Um, but the question was, you church know, hurt. Church hurt. Um, I'm sure we've we've all had it because every church is made up of imperfect people. I'm sure. I, I know I've said things unintentionally that have hurt people. I know... Um, You've said things, we've done things that we regret, that we said wrong, that we wish we could take back, but we're human and we have bad days too. Yeah. Um, and so it just feels so much deeper at a place of um, faith and vulnerability. And so, I don't know, I think if you're listening to this and you have been hurt by the church, just know you're not alone. That's good. Um, and give it another shot. You know, you cannot, God created the institution of church to be a blessing to your life. He's only created two institutions. That's it. Yep. Marriage. Marriage and the church. And the church. That's it. And, you know. Um, and I think you would say this, and I know I could say this. If I look at the scope or the, the journey, the timeline of our life and our, our interaction with church, we both grew up in church. You walked away for a minute and now you're back leading a church like if you look at the pain versus the 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 gift and the joy, I mean the pain. So, if you look at it as a time, not the depth of the pain, but the moment of the pain, like it, it it's not comparable, right? Yeah. Like the the gift of the church, the the gift of community, the yeah. way God set it up, it was on purpose. He knew what he was doing. And I will go so far as to say this: Are mega churches bad? Well, maybe mega churches you call that mega hurt because mm. you had mega expectations and you were mega let down. Wow. But at the end of the day, you will not be a part of a church where you won't get hurt. Yeah. Period. 
there are no perfect families and there's no perfect churches. Yeah. And God's job, his primary focus for your life is not about where you're going. It's about who you're becoming. Yep. And the scripture says he is transforming us to look like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that means if you're going to look like Jesus, you got to learn how to forgive. Yeah. And what better place to learn how to forgive than at church? So good. At church, if you get hurt by somebody, but you have a commitment to them because they're your spiritual family, it makes you get over it whether you want it or not. You got to forgive. You got to extend grace. You got to talk about it. You got to keep talking about it. You got to keep forgiving until all the bitterness is gone. But for those of you that walked out of a church because you got hurt, like Maria said, you're not alone, but that doesn't mean that that's okay. You got to get back in the spiritual family. You have to. And for those of you that were hurt in a church, I can promise you this. If you're hurt in a relationship, you're healed in a relationship. If you're hurt in church, you're healed in church. And so, I don't know, maybe there was spiritual abuse. Maybe there was mega bad news happening Mm -hmm. and you got to go to a different church. But you have to be in a church. You have to be in a spiritual family. It is the design of God for your life. And that you can't, you got to understand God's heart. You have brothers and sisters. You are not an only child. <laughs> you have a father. You know, my my sons and my daughters, when they... You have one daughter. Oh, yeah, that's right. When they <laughs> love each other, right? It's the best yes. day of my life, dude. Yep. When when they get up in the morning and they go hug each other, good morning. And they, you know, they ask them how their school day was. They take care of each other. They encourage each other. The other day, other. my 12-year-old was helping my 7-year-old with his homework, when they love each other, it puts the biggest smile on my face. There's nothing better in my home, in my life, in my heart than when my kids love each other. Yeah. And when my kids are fighting with each other and when they are at odds with each other or hurting each other's feelings right. on purpose, nothing breaks my heart more than that. Yeah. I'm a father. At the end of the day, though, I can't move them into different houses. They're yeah. all my family. They have to stay in the family. They have to work it out. And so... Maybe you're out there and you're listening and you're like, dude, I need, I'm getting convicted. I need to get back in. Get back in the church, man. Get back in your spiritual family. And uh, if it's past the point of no return at the church that you were at, then find a new one. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying you have to go to a church you don't want to go to, but uh, there's a variety of churches for a variety of people. I'm not saying you can't church shop. Shop, shop around until you find a good church that you want to be a part of. If you're looking for a perfect one, I got no recommendations. <laughs> but don't church hop. Right. Once you get in, plug in. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord will thrive, will flourish, mm-hmm. right? We are all members of the body, the scripture says. Yep. And who are we without each other? Because we're connected. So you got a spiritual father. You're his son. You're his daughter. For those of you that are Christians, and you've got brothers and sisters, and the way you show God your commitment to him is how committed you are to those brothers and sisters. Yeah. The way you show God how much you love him is how you love other people. If you're not a Christian. Right. Upgrade your friends. <laughs> Upgrade your friends. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. The Bible says that it's the way that believers love each other that's supposed to be the greatest reflection of God's love to the world. Mm-hmm. And so um, deep love requires a, a journey. Yeah. Right? Like you got to go through some things. Like, I mean, we have a great marriage. I love you so much. Yeah. But, I mean, we fight. Yeah. We have disagreements. We don't always see eye to eye on things. Yep. And um, that's okay because our commitment to God and to each other is deep and yep. we'll get through it. And so I think sometimes we give up on mm-hmm. um, something because it gets hard mm-hmm. or awkward or mm-hmm. um, it's just, it gets crunchy. 
And so people are like, I'm out. Yeah. It was hard. But it's like, no, it's the longevity. It's the working through. It's getting to that place of, of greater depth that really is the reflection of Jesus's love for this world, to the world. Last story. Okay. I was at the doctor's office uh, uh, five, six years ago. I was going to be like, that was a long time ago. Yeah. You don't like going to the doctor. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'm there, and I can't remember. I'm there for an ear infection or something or whatever it was, and I'm in the waiting room waiting, right? Some guy walks out in scrubs, mm-hmm. you know, so he's a doctor or a nurse or something. And he just, like, sits down right next to me and starts chatting me up. And he's like, you're the pastor of freedom, right? And he starts talking to me. I don't I, I don't know him, and he doesn't go to my church, but he knows somebody who does go to my church. And he starts ripping on this person that goes to my church. And, you know, I don't know what it is. I just like, dude, don't don't talk about my, you know, <laughs> my my peeps. And so um, I'm just kind of, you know, getting, I'm like, okay, all right, <laughs> you know. And uh, so I choke him. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm just listening. He says, he says, uh, he and he goes, yeah. So I can't go to church anymore because of that. I'm like, bro, you can't go to church at all anymore because of this one dude did this thing to you and you, like your feelings are hurt. And now I know I should be more mature. I know my empathy, you know, should be, you know, <laughs> I know I should have been like, oh well, I understand. I'm hearing from you. Like I know, and you know, but instead I just. I had an ear infection and I, and I <laughs> need to cranky. see a doctor and he was not my primary care physician. And I just, I said, bro, I said, let me just stop you right there. I said, I got to go to this appointment. I just want to hear, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. How old are you? He's like, I'm 26. I'm like, let's say you live to your 76. Okay. You're going to stand before God. And he's going to say, Hey, how'd your life go? And you're going to say, well, back when I was 26, this dude hurt my feelings and made it really hard for me to go to church. And so I stopped going. So for the last 50 years, I haven't been in church. And you think Jesus is going to say to you, oh, man, I'm so sorry that that guy hurt your feelings 50 years ago. That totally makes sense that you would miss 50 years of purpose for your life, mm-hmm. that you would miss all the great things that you, I was supposed to do in your life and through your life, being a part of a world-changing family. Like, God is at work in his church. Like, yeah. God's agency for bringing the kingdom of God to earth is the church and you opt out of that because you got your feelings hurt. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, somebody listening to this needs to hear like, look, dude, there's no perfect people allowed at church and I'm one of them. Okay. And that's But at the end of the day, we got to have thick skin. We got to have a soft heart, Mm -hmm. thick skin, soft heart, give people grace, cut them some slack, forgive some people, you know, and, and push through some of that stuff because the world would tell you to cancel them. And that is not the advice of the Bible. When the world tells us to cancel others for what they've done wrong, God gives us Jesus to cancel sin for everything we did wrong. (laughs) Come on, preach. (laughs) So anyways, I I, I saw that guy in church. He came back to church. No way. He came back and he's still coming and it's good and he got over it. He just needed some tough love to be like, hey man, I get it, but you got to get over it because you're going to rob yourself of a great life and purpose and if you try to do it outside of the church you won't you won't get there yeah and that's not that's not god's design you can't there's no there's no uh only children in the family of god so and a minute ago i said if you don't go to church upgrade your friends and i mean that because you know what people who go to our church they're not perfect but they're changing Mm -hmm. and that's what's great about us is that we've been married for 16 years and the truth is is that you're becoming more like christ because you're in church and you have a a dedication to him i'm becoming more like christ Mm -hmm. people change 
It just depends on what you're going to change into and what you're right. going to change like. And so mm-hmm. we've been able to stick it together and keep it going because the best thing that could happen for you is if I become more like Jesus. Yeah. And, and if you become versa. more like Jesus and we're going the same direction. And shoot, man, people tell me, oh, people just go to church to meet girls. And they just go, it's like, it's hey. It's a great place to meet girls. Where else are you oh, going to meet? You single? Where else are you going to go? You're going to go to a bar? You're going to go to a club? Are those the kind of, is that is that the kind of pool you want to be fishing in? Or do you want to? <laughs> You know? So anyways, I get passionate about this subject. Was I too insecure? No. Was I too defensive today? No, you were good. Okay. We talked about money. We talked about church hurt. Yep. What else we talked about? Talked about what mega is. Mm -hmm. And we talked about gossip a little bit and how to avoid that. So trying to keep it all uncomplicated as much as we can. If you enjoyed this episode, put it in the comments. Ask us another question. Anything else? No, we'll see you next week.